Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. Good morning, church. The scripture reading this Sunday, this beautiful Sunday, is taken from the second letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Here endeth the word. God bless the word. Well, good morning, everyone. Indeed, a, a beautiful morning after all the rain. Not so cold, though, in Auckland, is it? Uh, at this time. Uh, my wife Jane's still down in, uh, in uh, Christchurch with our new grandchild helping out, so that's all good. So we're in contact every day and she sends her greetings and love to everyone here too. Thank you Lloyd for the reading from Second uh, Peter. Uh, as many of you know, it's my custom to do a little recap of the, uh, the preaching series we're currently in. And I've called this uh, What's Important? Uh, what's uh, most important in pursuing God's mission in your life and in the life of our church. Um, So on the first Sunday, we considered from Romans 1 about the priority of us joining God's mission. So what we do as Christians and as a church is about pursuing God's mission and not our own. And as growing disciples, we're on about God's mission. And so we're to work creatively uh, in our witness to Jesus and all that we say and do. Then we uh, considered from Romans 3 the, uh, the vital topic of salvation that uh, Jesus shared with Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus came to him at night and, uh, and Jesus taught really in effect that life is supposed to be a spiritual event 
that the key to a satisfying life is a salvation experience, being born again, as uh, Jesus so vividly describes. An experience, a salvific experience that enriches and defines our life's trajectory. Then last week from Romans 3, we considered what it means to be transformed by the Spirit, uh, by the Holy Spirit, into fully loving people so that we love God and that we love others. That's really what you, when you that's the bottom line uh, about being Christian. That Jesus promises, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability to face life and challenges in a way beyond our own strength. So truly to love God and love others. Well, this morning my my topic is about um, how we experience God in our lives and how it usually happens in real-life experiences. So my title this week is Experiencing Means of Grace, Knowing, Engaging, and Enjoying God's Grace. So uh, we begin with the scripture, (laughs) always a key and foundational thing to do with proper Christian teaching and a real strength of the evangelical church. So in chapter 1 of Peter's second letter, he makes a bold promise. He says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What are the qualities? Well, there are, there are seven on Uh, Peter's list, and you might call them seven habits of highly effective Christians, or better known as fruits of the Spirit. So Peter describes that with such qualities, you can live uh, a fruitful and a satisfying life. Back in the um, early 1990s in our Henderson Church in West Auckland, Jane designed and made a a, a very large banner on the wall of the church uh, that had these seven fruits of the Spirit. In fact, we're we're making a return visit there in October to Henderson, so I'll be interested to see if the banner's still around after 30 years. Well, whatever your priorities may be at the moment, whatever things you you may be chasing after, either in your career or in your relationships, or your spiritual life, or your future planning, let's look at what Peter is promoting, and then I'll extrapolate out some practical means of grace for our living. With me? Here's verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. 
And if we possess these in increasing measure, as Paul says, then our lives will be blessed. In increasing measure is really the key phrase. Not an easy task, as these qualities usually take time to develop. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you're in it for the long haul. And so in three years' time, five years' time, in 40 years' time, your objective will still be to see these qualities uh, developing more and more in your life in increasing measure. That's why the, the vision statement of our own congregation here for many years has been people growing. It's like sort of a T-shirt, isn't it? People growing. That we're always advancing in our, in our Christian, our spiritual development. Now, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ, whether it's very early days or you've been on the journey a while or indeed a long time, you already have some amount of these seven qualities. Maybe some more than others, but however much you have, likely it's not enough. You and I need more. So God's plan for our Christian growth is that we add these characteristics to our lives day by day in increasing measure. So if you could rate yourself on each one, saying, you know, one to ten, with ten being a, a full measure, you might give yourself, a, you know, when it comes to, say, goodness or self-control or, or kindness, you might give yourself a four here or a five there or maybe even a seven or an eight or, or maybe, and I suspect there are more than a few of us in this group, you might admit to ones and twos and threes. Now, that's fine, because at issue today is not the past, but the future. Now, here's, here's the rub. How do we, in our ordinary living, know, engage, and enjoy God's grace? Well, this is the essence of my, uh, my sermon today. And again, we, we reach back in history uh, to John Wesley, who was probably the most prominent Christian of the 18th century, had remarkable biblical and theological insights about how, to, how we actually live the Christian life. His complete desire was to be a real Christian, a real Christian. Um, and so that, indeed, the fruits of the Spirit can be increasingly evident in our lives. So Wesley always had a fascination with the created world. Remember, this is 18th century. So throughout his extensive writings and references to natural phenomena, experiments with science, uh, many common health remedies, he was really quite a health guru. And, and Wesley denied that a complete and informed understanding of God could be ascertained from nature, right, the, the, the created world. He said you can't get a full and informed insight about God and God's mission and purposes just from the created world. 
Interesting point, isn't it? Because you probably had people say things like, um, oh, I just feel closest to God when I'm walking on the beach or uh, looking out uh, from a mountain. And uh, while there's some truth in that, we don't really learn about God and his will and purposes just by looking at waves or trees or from the ski slope. Wesley affirmed that humanity is not left to sort of guess and experiment its way forward, even by the beauty of nature. And his conviction was that God has indeed provided us human beings with certain avenues to know and engage and enjoy God's grace and blessing. These are real issues, aren't they, for us, 200 years later after Wesley? So he called these certain avenues to know and engage and enjoy God's grace, he called them means of grace. And in his own words, he defined them this way. By means of grace, I understand outward signs, words or actions ordained of God and appointed for this end to be the ordinary channels thereby he might convey to people prevenient, justifying or sanctifying grace. I use this expression, means of grace, because I know none better. Now, at the, at the core of Wesley's commitment to spiritual growth and holy living was his strong promotion of these means of grace as a way to help feed and sustain growing believers so that the fruits of the Spirit become increasingly evident. So let's examine the five means of grace that he identified from the Scriptures and from Christian tradition. You could have quite a debate about whether there's five or six or seven, but he identified five from the scriptures to help in our day-by-day, week-by-week life as Christians. So when we recognize them and when we engage them in our lives, we will be enriched and blessed and strengthened for service. With me? The first one, no real surprise. Prayer. Prayer needs to be a priority for all of us. Prayer is certainly the grand means of drawing close to God. So communicating with God through prayer is essential to building and maintaining a living, a real relationship with God. It's about talking with God and it's about listening to God. Early in the, uh, the beginning of each new day, give yourself to God's purposes and ask for Holy Spirit protection and opportunities to bless others. And during the, the busyness of the day, still pray to God. Those little, you know, arrow prayers as some people describe it. Seek uh, Holy Spirit assistance. And then as the, as the day draws to a close, look back and give thanks. 
and pray for your family and friends and others by name, bringing them to God for healing, for salvation, for forgiveness, for blessing. I remember years ago when I was uh, attending an international conference in the United States, I then travelled on to visit England for a week. And my niece and nephew were both studying in the UK at that time and they welcomed their old uncle and showed me around some of the sites in London and further north including places where my father had grown up. Anyway, one highlight in London that I really wanted to see was to visit Wesley's Chapel which is in City Road, quite sort of downtown London really. And uh, incidentally, the, the, this, this chapel, Wesley's Chapel, um, the only Methodist or Wesleyan church in the world that the Queen has actually worshipped in. So alongside the, the restored chapel is, is John Wesley's uh, former house. It's a three-storey building. It's now a sort of a museum and it attracts, attracts people from all over the world. And up I went to the, the, the third floor including to his bedroom, and just off the large room is his uh, prayer room. And it was in this dedicated prayer room that Wesley sought communion with God uh, for his leadership of a growing renewal movement, for good relationships with others, for energy and power in his ministry. It's uh, been described as the, the powerhouse of Methodism. And I have to say, as I, it, was a, it was a dreary, wet day, and I have to say that as I, I was there in this little prayer room, I was quite touched by the heritage of prayer, the fact that prayer had been, you know, soaked so long in this place, and it made me, you know, more committed to my own uh, personal prayer life. So prayer is foundational. It's a foundational means of grace for God to minister in our lives. Here's a second means of grace. Searching the scriptures. Now, searching the scriptures, it's, a, it's an endearing phrase that Wesley coined to describe this uh, second means of grace, an all-encompassing use of scripture to strengthen the knowledge and devotion of the Christian believer. Now, the Bible uh, explicitly outlines the the meta-narrative of God's creation and salvation plan and his absolutely essential teaching and resources for living the Christian life. So searching the scriptures is, is, is not really about proof texting or for academic uh, study purposes, but rather about providing guidance and knowledge of the whole revelation of the Bible and in a way to apply such teaching uh, regularly to one's own life so that we you know, grow up in our faith. So one of Wesley's favoured approaches was to use the very ancient practice of lecto divinia, meaning divine reading. So the method is to read scripture, contemplate its, its meaning, and its personal significance, 
all with the express purposes of seeking God's encouragement to grow in Christian discipleship. In, in our tradition, like many other Christian traditions, other churches as well, preaching has always been an important expression of searching the scriptures. So the explaining and understanding of the word of God in, in communal worship is vital for each one of us, having the scripture read publicly, just like Lloyd did before. So we believe that when the Bible message is, is, is uh, properly taught, that the Holy Spirit uh, convicts listeners to repent and to commit to living a deeper life in Christ. So reading the Bible itself, as well as a range of commentaries and online resources, really does enrich and bless you and helps God speak to you in your living. A third means of grace, holy communion. Our deep conviction is that New Testament teaching about the sacrament, holy communion, or in other traditions called the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, or Mass, is about a, a biblically directed means for Christians to experience, experience the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ. So Holy Communion is not just a memorial or remembrance or ritualistic time, but an experiential time as we commune with God in a special and quite personal way. Now, as you know, here at East City Wesleyan, we take seriously the monthly Holy Communion, first Sunday of the month. It is not an add-on or something we do out of routine habit. Rather, it's very special and something that we conduct with dignity and prayerfulness. Some of you here may not know that our, our, our Holy Communion table was specially commissioned and built for this, for this room, as, as was the pulpit and the uh, smaller lectern that's in the back there and the, the cross and the prayer desk over there as well. They were, they were actually designed by my wife, Jane, and made by my father-in-law in his Bay of Plenty uh, workshop. So the, if you look at the cross, there's a cross right here in front of me, the artistic cross design expresses the, the reconciling heart of God as inlaid arrows of real native power shell symbolise God, you know, reaching down to us and humanity reaching up to God and they meet at the point of a cross. And the variety of, of timbers and materials, if you haven't looked at the table, do come up after worship and you can also sense how heavy the table is. The variety of timbers and materials reflect the sort of the, the multicultural nature of this congregation. So we have the top timber is Oroko from Africa, and there's new Kari and Sala Sala from Fiji, 
and old recycled kauri and rimu, which of course is indigenous here to Aotearoa New Zealand. Now, all these timbers on the table, this lectern, believe it or not, were reject or recycled timbers, and there are many imperfections here and there. And some of the timber was going to be thrown out because of these marks and imperfections. And my father-in-law, who's very gifted with wood, was able to salvage the wood that he thought could be made into church furniture. So you can see that the beautiful result is therefore highly symbolic of what God can do within each of us to heal and restore and make something beautiful out of some things that are marked and imperfect and even were going to be discarded. Quite a story, isn't it? When you know that about the, the, the church furniture here in this room. So when we come forward for Holy Communion, we come to commune, Holy Communion, to commune with God in a specially commissioned meal sanctioned and blessed by Jesus himself. And we seek his grace and his forgiveness and his healing to help us live well for him. A means of grace, isn't it? Another means of grace, fasting, used by many Christian traditions over the centuries to encourage spiritual growth. How, you might ask? Well, Put simply, such abstinence from food can be an ongoing discipline to reduce our over-dependence on earthly matters and instead to focus our attention on, on, on that which is of eternal value. So fasting, Christian fasting is, is much more about a spiritual experience than any um, aspect of physical submission. So a Wesleyan habit from the 18th century is a weekly routine of fasting that begins after the Thursday evening meal. So you have your evening meal on Thursday, then you fast until mid-afternoon on Friday. So in effect, you fast uh, from your Friday breakfast and your Friday lunch and committing the time usually spent to preparation and eating to devotional and prayerful activities. So a weekly fasting time, not too demanding, but demanding enough, and giving the body some respite from our over, overly consumerized, oriented, takeaway society. So remember, the important distinction about Christian fasting is not about disciplining the body, but rather about elevating the soul. So how about you give it a go? You will benefit spiritually and, and physically too. And this fifth means of grace, it's about encouraging the benefits of Christians gathering together in regular groups, what Wesley called Christian conferencing, <laughs> So people coming together, Christians coming together to be built up in faith for practical uh, Christian living. So weekly public worship is a key means of grace. What does the scripture say from Hebrews? 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the key partner to public communal worship, this is not a club, it's public worship, is belonging to a small Christian uh, group, a home group for, for study, for encouragement, for prayer, for trusting fellowship. To be most effective, such groups uh, need to be accountable in terms of attendance and, and service and how you're doing in your Christian life. So the, the partnership of public worship attendance, small Christian discipleship group is really where Christians get that power and encouragement uh, in their living. So accountability helps our Christian growth, our pursuit of moral living, avoidance of useless diversion and self-indulgence, and helps a, a team-like encouragement to live Christian faith in the everyday world. So Christian conferencing includes times of discipleship growth, study, uh, special courses, are being built up, you know, as part of the body of Christ. So we don't journey in the Christian life alone, uh, but we journey with uh, God's people. Now, before I conclude, let me share some qualifying comments. I've outlined five means of grace to help us experience God's grace and favour. But remember that such uh, means in and of themselves have no specific merit or power, but are simply a means, a means by which the Holy Spirit of God is at work. So these means of grace are gifts freely given by God, and God sometimes directly gives grace apart from the use of any of these particular five specific means. That said, the means of grace are very relevant and help us and the church in very key ways. Here's some key ways. The means of grace help us to recapture religion of the heart, establish Christian believers in biblical Christianity resource believers in classical Christianity across the whole spectrum of these 2,000 years, relate believers to ecumenical Christianity, that's, a, that's a getting on with other Christians and other churches as we journey together, and help us to renew authentic Christianity. Well, God calls us always to grow in faith, no surprise. The fruits of the Spirit in our living are enhanced by our practicing of the means of grace, the ways that we can usually, regularly commune with God. So they, they all work together and they all build you know, one another. So we need to develop good knowledge and we need to put it into practice with good actions, searching the scriptures, and Christian conferencing to help develop goodness and knowledge. We need to develop self-discipline and we need to keep 
trying till we get it right. So prayer and fasting to help with self-control and perseverance. And we need to develop love, strengthening relationships with others and worshipping God as he deserves. So Holy Communion and prayer and Christian conferencing to help us develop godliness, knowledge and love. As Peter says, verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a prayer we want to make, isn't it? We don't want to be ineffective and unproductive in our living and in our Christian faith. We want all that we do to count. So regardless of where you are today, I I challenge you to make it your priority to commit to being a growing Christian. To ask God, what is my next growth step? And the Spirit of God will prompt an answer. And your next growth step will be different to my next growth step or the person next to you. Ask God through his Spirit, how am I growing and advancing in the blessings, the fruits of the Spirit? And what do I need to do? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we uh, each have our journey through life and you know us better than we know ourselves. Thank you for the, uh, the teaching from the scripture about the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, the insights from tradition about the means of grace and how you, O oh God, speak to us in these particular ways we've talked about this morning, but in many other ways as well. Grant us your blessing to be a blessing to many others and help us to face the question of what more advance, what next step we each need to make in our Christian discipleship. In your holy name we pray. Amen.